This is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast, and I'm glad you're here. We have Alyssa Bartenbach back today to continue our discussion about her experience with Brene Brown and preparing to teach the Dare to Lead content. And today we're going to have a rich discussion about trust. And this conversation is going to be aimed largely at what do we need to do to do? to prepare ourselves to be trustworthy, to set ourselves up for high trust relationships. So here we go. And she's back. Hey. How are you, Alyssa? I'm good. So glad to be back. I'm so happy that you came back. So we are going to continue our discussion about the work that you've become certified from Brene Brown's Dare to Lead process. And we're going to dig in today to talk about trust. And I love this conversation because I spent a lot of years with the Franklin Covey organization teaching Stephen M. R. Covey's book from The Speed of Trust. So it's near and dear to my heart. And Brene also talks a lot about trust and and the re- how it's required to be brave and to lead in that way. And, and then before we even get into the details of it, this is a perfect example. One of the things that we talked about in the last episode together was that sometimes we can have an idea about something and we can say, oh, but Brene's already written about it or somebody, Michelle Obama's already written about it or somebody else has already done it. This is a perfect example. Stephen M. R. Covey wrote about trust 10 years ago. Brene Brown is writing about trust today. It is a relevant, timeless topic. And there's and it's it takes someone else to tell this story and to teach it in a in a different way. If we all continue to teach these fundamental truths in our own ways with our own stories, that's how we really generate change. So I, I just wanted to, to open with that, that here's a perfect example of Brene could have said, oh, well, you know, Stephen M. R. Covey, he already wrote about trust. I'm not going to include that. I'm just going to put, I'm sure you've probably already read about trust by <laughs> Stephen M. R. Covey. No, she didn't do that. She is teaching about trust in the way that is a part of um, her process. And I just think that's really, really important. So we're going to talk about trust today and, and how it plays in with meaningful connection. I mean, in order to have connection, which is what we're about here at the Badass Women's Council, reflection and connection, you got to have trust. And trust is one of those words that can be airy, fairy, woo, like it could mean very different things to very different to many different people. And so we're going to put a little bit of structure around it. Not too much. We're going to have, still have a conversation like we always do. But when you learned about trust from Brene, tell us a little bit about the context of how it fits into the bigger picture of what she teaches. Sure, sure. So I think trust, and one of the reasons why I think we should start there is because this is honestly a tough topic. Like you heard the word trust, kind of like we joked about last time with vulnerability, and you were probably sitting here thinking, 
you know, okay, I can right off the top of my head have a positive image that comes to mind of somebody I trust, or my brain's going straight to somebody who I do not trust. And trust can become a really hard conversation to have, especially in the workplace, because, you know, Brene calls it like a gauzy topic. Like it's a hard one to really say, this is what trust is. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, and another thing I love about the work she does is it's all based around research. And the majority of the time, it's easier for us to say what something isn't versus what it is. Mm, So she comes a lot from the perspective of like, instead of saying like, well, what is trust? All of her research is she's asking questions about like, what what is not trust? (sighs) And getting those examples to help us learn what are the things that make a difference. Interesting. And so she does have a unique spin because she kind of has this acronym. It's called BRAVING. And she has this BRAVING inventory so that it's a really clear-cut way that instead of sitting down, let's say I say, um, you know, maybe Rebecca, maybe you've been late to work three times and I'm realizing that I got to have a conversation with you about that. And instead, I sit down to talk with you about how I don't trust you. And it's a pretty broad topic. I just say, I just don't trust you, right? It's going to be much better off if I talk about the things specifically that are impacting why I don't trust you or what needs to happen in order for me to earn trust. Mm. And so we get specific with it. Uh, That's point number one that she does well. The other thing that's a great point to realize before we even jump in, because no matter what kind of acronym we can talk about, Building trust with someone it only happens in a million tiny little mm. moments over time. Right, right, right. So it's hard work. And anytime you're having an interaction, you're likely building or taking away trust by the way that you communicate or not communicating. Trust is in the air and happening all the time. It's about being intentional and building it intentionally yes. through this, spe- yes. so through these specifics, right? Yes. Yeah, love that. And, you know, this one for me, you know, is part of like, okay, if you're going to do the work, then you got to like do the work. And so, <laughs> you know, I got a situation in my life right now where I have someone, um, let's be honest, there's somebody I'm supposed to co-parent with. Mm-hmm. That's like somebody I need to trust, right? And we are in a situation where they're, is not trust. Mm -hmm. And what is so great about this is it works at work, um, but it works in life. But now, now that I know what braving trust looks like, gosh, this isn't just about what somebody did to lose my trust. The game's changed now. Now I know what I need to do in order to own my part. Mm. You know, and so- so Okay, let's just pause on that for a minute. Let's just pause on that. This is big. Because it's easy- to want to point fingers. It's easy to point fingers, especially in this situation. You've been through a lot of hurt, and, and you know, I've been through a divorce. Lots of our listeners have been through these kinds of challenging relationships. And it's so easy to want to point fingers. But what we have to do is pause and say, okay, the only thing I have control over, influence over, is me and my choices. So now I gotta look at my part. Yeah. And oh, that can be so hard. It is. And I think as we talk through what these look like, like there's going to be a few that you're like, okay, yeah, I can do that. That makes sense. I can say that. And then there's going to be a few that are like, oh, wow. Oh, I've hell no. Doing that. <laughs> yeah. And I've been doing that. And that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, that's the one thing. Like, this is brave work, folks. This mm-hmm. is not 
Um, you know, you know, a lot of times in the work we do in leadership development, it's called soft skills. Oh, please. And man, if I please. took anything away after this certification is being able to have a much better way to talk about how leadership is nothing soft. And this is a perfect example of reflection, right? So the first step is we're going to do some reflection on what can we do yes. to build trust. Yes. Yeah. And that is, you know, I spent a good amount of time blaming. Mm. And to tell you the truth, I had every reason to do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I could have ran with that story probably as long as I wanted to. But the difference, especially as we walk through some of these today, and, and what's kind of helped me is, and again, high-achieving women, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's who we're talking to here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when things feel out of control, we are searching for something where we can say, okay, what can I do? What can I influence? And I clean my closets when things feel really oh out of control. Gosh, do you? Oh, yes. Yes, because yes. yes. it's like, oh, look how neat Okay, so that, that, that was my daughter's room Saturday. I'm supposed to be traveling for work. I haven't packed myself, but yet, guess what I spent two hours doing? Organizing Shopkins. Does anybody know what those are? Describe those for our listeners. Okay, so Shopkins are these little things for girls that are the tiniest little pieces, and they can be little lipsticks. Or my favorite one of hers, it's this little waffle. Like, it's not bigger than my thumbnail, and it has two little waffles that go into it. I mean, you complain if you have boys, and I complained about this at one point, had Legos, Legos, and you stepped on those, but there ain't nothing like a Shopkins. (laughs) Like, let me tell you, the lipstick, she gets me every time. Yeah, but I found myself, like, because you know what I needed in life? I needed my you know a four-year-old's room clean that was really going to get me because far that in life. felt like everything else in your life was a little more together and i saw the before and after like mm-hmm. i accomplished something yeah, i get it yeah I and you know it. what the other thing i don't know if you do this it was not on my because i had like a serious to-do list it wasn't on there but i went you put it on there it on. <laughs> yeah. so you could check it off yeah oh girl yep. i feel you yeah yeah <laughs> i just want to know was the room clean when you got home well, I, I don't. I don't know. Was oh, it, it happened right before you yeah. came? Oh my yeah. gosh! You're gonna we'll have to see. report back. Okay, we'll see. I doubt it. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so keep going. So you feel like as high achieving women, we have this need and want to control. But like yeah. I always say, we don't have nearly as much control as we think yeah. we do. Yeah. Well, that's what was hard about trust. You know, I mean, like somebody seriously broke my trust. And I'm not talking about once. And I'm not talking about little things. Like these are big, big things. Right. And they've been consistently happening for two years. And there's a big part of me that thought, you know what? It's just always going to look like this. And there's nothing I can do. He's the one breaking the trust. And as we walk through some of these, you're going to realize that um, there's some things you can do in order to have some control in some situations where you feel like it's the other person. And then if you're honest with yourself, and that's part of doing this work too, right? Because we never want to be like, oh yeah, I do that. But if you're honest with yourself, you can see how maybe even unintentionally you've been hurting some trust with other people too mm. and and start to change that. One of my favorite quotes by Maya Angelou is when you know better, you do better. Yes. And so this is one of those moments where when you see it, now it's yeah. up to you to decide, are you going to do it differently? Yeah. And let's talk about that. Like as we go through these things, let's be transparent and give real life examples of yeah. some stuff because, I mean, that's what this work is all about, right? Yeah. Like I always say, if I had to go through all this stuff just to tell my crappy story <laughs> so someone else would feel brave enough to tell theirs, then I'm all in. Winning. Then let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. So we are going to talk through braving. And the very first one, the B, stands for boundaries. So 
Another big word, right? We talk about boundaries Mm -hmm. and it's always great when we talk about setting them, but it's never so good when we talk about like other people setting them with us, right? With us, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I really struggled with is how do I go about doing that? Because there's some people I feel like I can be secure and strong, or if I really believe in the boundary I'm setting, I can communicate that pretty clearly. But I, even if I was doing a good job, I never felt like I was saying it in a way that even I believed it was okay for me to set the boundary. You know, <laughs> it was like ish. It had an ish boundary. Ish. ish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so this is tough. And I also think it's something that as women we struggle with a lot because we were a lot of us raised to do for others. And so like all of the all, others, all and of the them. neighbors and yes. the people at church and, and the school and to be and happy the, when you did it. Oh, smile. Yeah. 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 And setting a boundary is hard yeah. stuff. And you know what's even harder than setting it is is sticking with it. And then take that another level farther. Let's say you set the boundary. Let's say that somebody doesn't abide by it. Now what? Now what? Now what do you do? So yeah. this is not not easy stuff. And one of the things that she teaches, and I love, honestly, Brene is so good at making things simple, mm-hmm. which I do love that about I completely too. need. And so she talks about boundaries are really simple. It is saying what's okay and what's not okay. <laughs> But yet we overcomplicate the crap out of that. We we do until we learn that all you got to do is say what's okay and what's not okay. And let me give you an example okay. of this. Okay, so moved into a new house with my kids about a year and a half ago now. And within about 24 hours of moving in, guess what I found out? Oh, no. I have the crazy old lady of the neighborhood that lives behind me. She's the one who wants to tell me about everything and complain about everything. And her newest rant since it was time to start mowing grass, which I'll just admit, I don't do. There's a lot of things I do, right? Cutting grass, it's not going to be one of them. It's Outsource. Just, I'm a it's, fan. Yes. Outsource. It's one thing I'm yes. not going to do. I'm not a fan of sweating. Yeah. Just not. So there we go. All good. So the guy that I hired to, to do this apparently does not do the best job of cutting behind my fence, which is essentially her backyard. <laughs> so every time I step out to my backyard, which is like my place, right? I've got a little right. fire pit, a little sanctuary. Um, my kid's playgrounds. So we go out there. I can sit under the umbrella, my hammock that I lay in and read. Every time I go out, it's like she knows that back door is open and she comes out there to complain to me about it. And a few times I was polite, right? I was like raised to respect my elders. And, you know, she reminds me of my grandma. Like, who am I to tell off my grandma? Like, and I came back from (laughs) Brene training. I step outside and there she is complaining. And I said, you know what's okay? To say, hi, how are you today? You know what's not okay? To complain to me about anything. (laughs) And I turned around and I went back inside. And you know what she said to me every day since? Hi, how are you? you? Let's review for a moment. (laughs) Boundaries are to say what's okay Okay. and And what's what's not not okay. You got it. And now you literally and figuratively have boundaries, both offense and expectations with the neighbor lady of what's okay, which is to greet me and to not complain about grass. Yes, yes. Oh, that makes me happy. Right, right. And so I'm proving it can work, right? Right. Like even with a crazy person, it can it can work. Yeah. Now, here's the flip side. So there's a, everybody out there who's saying like, oh yeah, sounds nice. She gave the example of the time it worked. Okay, so let's get real. Let's talk about a time recently it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And let's just say I am not giving out legal advice. Like, should we make that kind of a clause at some point? <laughs> a disclaimer yeah, in the show number. Yeah, there's a disclaimer. I am by no means saying, like, you should do this and it's safe and no one will get <laughs> angry at you for it. Um, but this is about, right, like me making a choice to set a boundary. And to tell you the truth, if I want to talk to people about doing this, I got to test it out. All right. And Absolutely. I, and I and I got to say, I did this and it worked. Or I did this and it didn't work. Or at least I did this and this is what I learned from it. Right. Okay. So honestly, it was right before going to the Brene training. Um, I had had a conversation with my ex-husband that said, I don't want to be contacted by you for the next two weeks. And honestly, it was because I was going to this training and then I was going to Disney World. And I think, in all honesty, I'll just call myself out. I think what I actually said was, these next two weeks are holy ground and you're not stepping one toe on them. (laughs) (laughs) And so I said, it's not okay to call or email me regarding anything in the next two weeks. Um, It is okay to reach out after, you know, and I gave him the date. What do you know, the next morning I wake up to two text messages, both asking something of me. Later that day, there was an email. Testing the boundaries. There was an email, yeah. Because you know what I had realized is that, man, when you start doing this, of course that's what's going to happen. And there's so many of you parents who are probably thinking, well, yeah, of course. You set a boundary. We're going to test it. This is how it goes. So I had to make a pretty quick choice. Um, And I think part of when you set the boundary, just in like, everything. If you want to accomplish a goal, you got to get down to what's your why. Why am I doing this? And so for me, I knew I set the boundary. You know why? Because I was worth it. Mm. Because for the first time, I was worth having two weeks of joy and peace and nothing but gratitude. I deserve that. It's been years since you've had two weeks of nothing but joy. I deserve that. And in a couple of years, there haven't been two solid weeks of nothing but things that I was looking forward to Mm. and that were positive and that were blessings in my life. Like, I was going to have this. I deserved it. And so I blocked. Mm. I blocked. I shut down the email, like totally deleted it off my phone, vowed not to check it, and I blocked his number. And very interestingly enough, day before I had said it would be okay to contact me, my original boundary, right? I get a text that's basically, I guess, the daily check-in to see if I had unblocked him <laughs> or not, right? But, but you get what you tolerate, right? Right. If there's a boundary right. or not a boundary, you get what yeah. you tolerate. And I think the kicker, you know, from a conversation that came from this, I think in his mind, he was like, man, I've gotten a lot of stuff. And this is when you choose to block me. And what I tried to get him to realize was it wasn't about the thing you did. It wasn't like you hadn't done other things that weren't boundary setting worthy. It was about, I was at a different place. I knew now that not only did I have the right to set the boundary, but that I was worth this boundary. Mm. You know, two things come to mind. One is in this world of always being connected, whether it's social media or the text message or, or, or instant communication, it becomes so much more important to set those boundaries because people can get in touch with us and be a part of our lives in so many different ways. And I know one of the other things that Brene talks about is who's, you know, within your, your you know, what we would call the Badass Women's Council mm-hmm. or what your circle, right? And when we have people that we ask to leave our tribe or to leave our circle. And Jason Barnaby, who uh, writes about tribes, he's talked about this as well, is sometimes there are people that no longer are able to hold space in our sacred space, right? That if we don't 
get the courage to block and remove them, it's so easy to want to either dabble in and check on, see what's going on with them in social media or allow them to check in and see what's going on with us. I mean, that's one of the hardest things I think now is everybody has access all the time if we allow it. And so it's up to us to stand tall in that and say, you know what? I said this was a boundary. And so I am going to block this access yeah. and then stick into it. Yeah. And I think everybody that's listening right now, like they've got something that's in their mind, right? Yeah. We're talking about boundary. They either have that person, that place, that thing mm-hmm. that they are, first of all, probably thinking like, I I have to do it. This is no longer right for me or it's no longer healthy for me. Right. Um, and their wheels are turning about why they deserve to set this boundary. And hopefully over time, they get the courage, the courage yeah. to figure out how how to set it. So I would just encourage you today, whatever that might be, even if it's a really small one, test it out because that's the other thing about this work. You know, sometimes I do silly, (laughs) I do really silly things to test out like, am I, am I capable of doing something just so I can take on the next big one, you know? So honestly, like, thank goodness I took on the lawn lady. Because I needed that trial uh, to take on some bigger ones. Well, and that's what I say about trust is, can I keep a promise to myself first? Because if that says, am I trustworthy? Do I trust myself? Can I keep a promise to myself? Yeah. Okay, so you just perfectly segmented us. Okay, good. Segwayed us Segway. in it. Yeah. yeah, segmented us. That would be painful. <laughs> Let's not do that. You segwayed. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Keep going. It's a little late tonight, but we're having fun. (laughs) It's all good. Um, Into reliability. So we went through BR. So I'm making our way through braving here. Reliability is you do what you say you'll do. Now, she also says at work, this means staying aware of your competencies and limitations so you don't overpromise and are able to deliver on commitments and balance competing priorities. Pause. Don't over promise. It is the trap of the high achieving woman. Yep. With all of my clients, I'm constantly saying, okay, let's get really clear on your customer, the money-making model of your business, the key leverage points where you need to go all in. And everything else is kind of an ish because you can only be extraordinary in a small number of things. And the belief that we can be extraordinary in all the things that we try to say yes to is where we get burnout. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, so you're talking about saying what we can do at work mm-hmm. and making sure that we don't overcommit. Because Over, then that's when you take work home. That's when you oh, work on yeah. the weekends. Yeah. To me, that's where it all starts because we know what we want to do with our personal lives. We don't have to be, we don't have to say, oh, you should, you know, be kind to your husband or you should be really good to your kids. Where we get into the burnout trap is at work, we don't know how to pick those really important leverage things. And we say yes to all this other stuff. And then we have to bring all that other stuff home with us. And that's when that other work gets done. And that's where we get completely out of whack. Yes. Is my hypothesis. Yes. And I probably every working woman who's listening right now is like, oh, is there anybody who doesn't get their laptop out at night? Like, I don't know. I haven't lived that life in a long time myself. So I think, yes, that is one point over committing at work. The thing I'd like us maybe to step back and look at a little bit is just that first line of you do what you'll say, you do what you say you'll do, okay? Because, yes, her example goes to work. But what I really think about is what are the things I'm saying I'm going to do 
that I'm not doing, like for myself. Well, I, you know, my my thing about that is when I get caught up, yeah. I'm gonna. And we're not getting truly caught up where there's this huge space where you're like, oh, today's the day that I'm gonna care lovingly for myself. You gotta wedge that stuff in and do yes. it on the regular. Yes. Yeah. And whether it's talking about things like I'm gonna make more time for our friends or, you know, yeah, I am gonna be a more present mom or, you know, one thing I would say to myself, like I remember, you know, a part of me that I loved before having kids. I loved going on Saturday mornings, especially the first Saturday of the month, because everything at Goodwill is 50% off, <laughs> buying old furniture and like turning it into something new, like painting it. Oh, and this, is, so, this is one of those loves that we share. Absolutely. Really? Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so it's like- I love taking people through uh, my house and they're like, oh my gosh, where'd you, you get, get that? that? I'm like, side of the road. Oh my God. Painted I love those. It. I have yeah. a chandelier that, yeah, I, f- I found and, and redid and I've taken it from a couple houses like I can't let it go I remember the you know the dumpster we pulled yeah (laughs) yeah it was like a good find right and so I say these things all the time about the things I'm going to do and for me when I went through this I mean the notes to myself are before you can be reliable to anyone else you have to be reliable with yourself yeah and so I challenge anybody to say, before you take on the big conversations at work or in your relationship or even some of the stuff you need to do, maybe to be more reliable, you know, with your kids or yeah. with your friends, like how reliable are you to yourself? Yeah. One of the commitments I made, ironically, I'm thinking now I made this commitment when I first started teaching trust um, 10 years ago through the Franklin Covey organization. And one of the commitments I made to be more present with my kids was that I was no longer going to be doing five other things in the kitchen that when they spoke to me and they were little, I would make eye contact and have a real conversation with them and not do that. Mm, okay. Yeah. Sounds Guilty. good, honey, where you're just half listening mm-hmm. and pretend listening. And it was a phenomenal the impact that it had on our relationship but boy did it take some diligence on my part to keep that commitment to myself because I didn't come home and say kids I've made a commitment I will now make eye contact (laughs) but I made the promise to myself to build in our relationship in that way and I I had to hold myself to it wow yeah wow and the you know I'm sitting here as somebody who didn't necessarily know you at this level with little kids. So I see you with your kids who are growing up. And I think that has to be a huge reason that you have the relationship with your kids who are, you know, well on their way to grown up today. Like that's why, like they know you stop and you listen to them and you see them and you make time for them and are present when they talk to you. So thank goodness you held yourself to that standard back then. Man, what a difference that that did. Yeah, and they have shared all of their life with me, sometimes mm-hmm. more than I wanted to hear, quite frankly, <laughs> now that they're 17 and 21. But yeah, I, I made that investment early on. I was just thinking about that. Mm. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Anyway, now you're getting all, right, all well, teary-eyed thinking about my kids. Okay, <laughs> I, keep going. I know, it happens so easily. Okay, <laughs> so went through boundaries, reliability. Now we talk about accountability. So this is you own your mistakes, apologize, and make amends. Own your mistakes, apologize, and make amends. It sounds so simple. It does. What? And you know what? It can be that simple. We overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. What's like, like, let's start to dig into this a little bit. What do you think is the hardest? Is it owning the mistake, apologizing, or making amends? What's the toughest for you? Uh, um, depends on my mood and how tired I am. <laughs> so I'll give you an example. When we say we're going to get real about this, right? 
So a few nights ago, I was driving home and it was about 10 o'clock. I'd been at a friend's house and I got a text from um, Nikki Bush from Nicole Blairware. She's um, one of the badass women's council members. And you, you know, Nikki as well. And we're working on this project together. So not only is she a friend, she's a business partner. And I had sent some information to set up a meeting. And her response was, she was trying to create boundaries. She knows herself. She knows attention span. She knows, and, and the, the length of time for the meeting was was long. And, and what I hadn't done was clarify the context about what we were going to include in the meeting and how the meeting was going to be, that it included dinner and included some getting to know some of the other partners. It wasn't just all like, she pictured this nightmare of a corporate meeting for five hours at a boardroom or something, right? And so, so it's 10 o'clock. She's tired as well. She responds back, I don't think I can do five hours. So she's got boundaries for herself, which sure. I normally respect. And in that moment, I was like, bitch, please. I'm trying to set this thing up, right? Yes. And I'm cranky about it. And so my response was cranky. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, a, this is a woman I respect and love. It was cranky. And in the moment I sent it, I knew it was cranky and I was just like not even caring about it as much as I should, right? So I went home, I crashed, I was exhausted. I get up the next morning and my first thought was, oh, that was wrong. And, you know, I get up at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Finally at 10.30, it was just killing me. I was like, just admit that you were wrong give her some context, mm-hmm. apologize, and then ask her what would it, what would she need to see or know for this to feel okay or how could we adjust the meeting? But it took me some time to get there. But once I sent the message, here was the really hard part. She was in with the clients um, all day. And so she didn't respond until like hours later. And you don't think that was eating at me like, oh my gosh, she's mad at me. Here's this woman that I love and respect. And not only was I mean to her, it took me forever to apologize. Now the shame spiral is all just going and going and going. And finally, later that night, she responded and said, girl, I was so tired too. And it was just this like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. And it was fine. But I basically in 24 hours just sat in all of the muck of that. But it was hard for me at first to go, you were wrong, Rebecca. Because hmm. I wanted to say, girl, I am trying to set up this thing that's going to benefit right. us and our business. And right. blah, 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 blah. I wanted to be all indignant about it. Like, what do you mean you can't give five hours? What do you mean? Like, I wanted to go there. Yeah. And I had to make myself just, I went there for a little bit. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, that's not helpful. <laughs> because she's going to be in my life as a relationship for years and years and years. Like, she's one of my inner circle, right? Yes. And you just, you just have to do it. Yeah. And I think the thing that stands out what you're talking about is you kind of shifted from like just back to owning your stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and for some of you might be sitting here thinking, yeah, but somebody does this to me. No, I'm not apologizing for that. It's not on me to be able to have that level of accountability for something. And so some of this also depends on what are you in it for? You know, Mm, what's your why? What's your purpose? What's your context? Yeah. 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 Because, you know, to me, there are situations where lately um, I felt convicted to do some of this work by owning a mistake or apologizing when honestly, somebody else probably didn't even expect me to, maybe didn't even need me to. Mm. But this is about living in alignment with who I say I am. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and who, you know, 
another Brene line, I'm going to sound like I'm just quoting it all, but that's part of the reason I'm here, right? Um, Is you are how you lead. And so if here I am at home, at work, your life, you're you're always leading, right? And so here I am teaching leadership development and organization. I mean, I kind of, I got to be doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Right. I can't be saying something and doing another. And if I truly believe that people are capable of operating at a different level, and if I really want to believe that people are capable of doing this work, it's not enough for me to talk about it. I got to show them what it looks like, Yeah, you know, because I had a a situation and I'm not kidding you, two weeks before going to the Brene training, I literally told someone, I will never apologize to her. There's nothing you could do to make me apologize to her. There was <laughs> I know that someone, look on your face sometimes. Yeah, see, and I just gave it then. Like, it all came back. It was look. real. And that's been me my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm done, I am done. And it was someone at work that I felt like I kept getting this situation where I was supposed to prove who I, I was. Mm-hmm. And I had been killing it in a lot of areas, like in a good way. And not only was that not good enough, but I felt like they couldn't wait for me to mess up. Ooh. And I had one small example where I introduced someone with slightly the wrong title. So instead of calling them a chief something, whatever, um, I called them a vice president of that same function. <gasps> I know, right? (laughs) So I was all hung up. I'm like, well, that's about her. That ain't about me, you know, Mm -hmm. which, yes, there is a time and place for that. But I knew that I needed to have a good relationship with this person. You know, before I was kind of thinking, well, if they don't get me, then they don't deserve to get me, you know, or if she doesn't understand me. But I thought, okay, let's see how this changes the game. If I just say, hey, I'm really sorry that happened. That was never my intention. I completely, I own that. I said said the wrong thing, and I I knew that's not it. And I know you worked really hard for that that title. Mm-hmm. And here's the kicker: whether this means anything or not. But to me, it was tough because it was another female. Mm, it's interesting. Isn't that it? I wish would have cut me a little slack. And guess what? She wasn't going to do it. And so I knew especially after reading it in black and white, going through this train, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to go back. I got to make the apology. So, so, I mean, it's even a part of, you know, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. you know, to go back and right your wrongs. There's a healing power and a strength that comes from just being raw and real and honest about, I've made a mistake. I need to go back and, and do something about it. Yeah. And part of me in agreeing to do this work is like being proud that it might not be easy, pretty, um, or the simplest way to go, but I'm choosing to do this work. This is I'm choosing to live. And I can't just choose it in parts and pieces yeah. because then I will never be living at my full potential. And so many are burnt out because they're tired of going into a job and working in a place where they can't be authentic and make mistakes and know that there's a way to get back after making a mistake. People are just so tired of not being able to be human at work. Which is why it's actually essential for us as leaders to model this piece. Absolutely. You know, because if you can go and you can say, hey, I messed this up, I've got to apologize, and you work to reset that, then you're going to prevent people from covering mistakes they make up. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to create the opportunity for people to be able to talk about what's gone wrong and what they've learned from it and how they can do better the next time. We've got to model it. Yeah, yeah. 
What's the next okay, letter? Next one. Okay. Yep. This one is tough. All right. We're at the Like the other B. ones haven't been. Okay. Know, Do they get tougher as we go? This one is hard because okay. like every everybody's going to get this because we all do it. It's called vault. Okay. V-A-U-L-T. You don't share information or experiences that are not yours to share. Mm. I need to know that my confidences are kept and that you're not sharing with me any information about other people that should be confidential. I have one for this. Okay. Oh, this one might make me cry. So I have always said to my kids, if it's not your story to tell, you are not to tell it. Which was my way of saying, don't gossip, don't, don't be the mean girl, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't tell somebody else's story. And some may remember, I had a blog post that went viral, oh gosh, a year or so ago, that, in, that was a part of my daughter's story. And it was about uh, vaping at school. And I asked my daughter permission to tell the story, but I didn't give her enough context. She thought I was going to tell the story from an educational perspective about what vaping and the Juul vape was and educate parents. But what I did in the blog post was I told her story. Mm. And it was a compelling one. And I stand by how um, much I think it helped a lot of people understand the dangers of this uh, phenomenon with our teenagers, but I wronged my daughter in that. And it really impacted her life for a while because the, the post went viral mm. fast. Wow. And she came home and she looked me in the eye and she said, you told my story. And I thought we had agreed that we never told each other stories. And I just melted and I said, I'm so sorry. I, I realize now that when I ask you permission to share it, I should have shared the post with you before I hit publish. I made a mistake and I am so, so sorry. And we were able to talk through it and, you know, she, I think has forgiven me. Um, but you know, she was 16 years old and she had to stand in that. And, it, and I, I wronged her. I, I let something out of the vault that I shouldn't have her story. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's a good example because you had already kind of set something that, you know, that you went against. And I think the thing that's interesting is, the vault kind of has two perspectives. So there's the one you're talking about, which is I'm not going to tell somebody else's business. But then the other side is you talked about this earlier, like we need people to confide in. Mm -hmm. So how do I know that when I tell you something that it stays with you? Now, Majority of time, I think our red flag and the thing to watch for is this, and this is when everybody's going to be like, oh, I did this, is because you might share something with me that's very personal and that I would never go and tell anybody else. But what if tomorrow I called you and I said, oh my gosh, have you heard about Emma? <laughs> Her husband's having an affair. Yeah. Then instantly, I'm questioning whether my stuff is safe with you now. Right, mm -hmm. right. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is to kind of do a little bit of a study, like just watch your next week. 
mm-hmm. some of your interactions and watch and see how many of your conversations or even with certain people, what percentage of your conversation is talking about other people. Because I've done this test and I know there's a few people who are in my life that really the only stuff we were talking about was other people's shared information. It's like exhausting. it's a fake way that people make connection. Mm. This vault is a fake way to create connection. You got to watch out for it. I wrote a blog post about this several years ago. You do not connect over bitching and telling other people's stuff. That is not real connection. That's just gossip. That's just gossip. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there will be somebody who this week, like, starts saying something. Well, I saw him at the store with, you know, whatever it might mm. be, you know, or gosh, why was Ted? I, this is the third time he's been late to the week office this yeah. week. You know, like, there right. will be something There'll where be you something. start. And this is when we say, just stop yourself, girl. Mm-hmm. Just stop yourself, you know, just stop because it's a hard one to break. Like, uh, until you really start thinking, because we, we think, well, yeah, but if I keep your stuff secret, like, you can trust me. But, when we tell other people stuff, everyone also thinks, man, if she's talking about so-and-so, there's got to be a time she's talking Absolutely. about me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And didn't we learn in seventh grade that if somebody says, I won't tell anyone that that's a lie? Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> didn't we already learn this in right. seventh grade? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So okay. just watch for it. Yeah. Watch for that that's one. That's a good one. All right. Okay. So that's bold. Okay. Integrity. Okay. Another big, like, gauzy word, which is why we got to dig into how she defines this. So integrity And I'd say, like, if you're a note taker, like, grab a pen. Even if you're driving, like, stop for a second because it's a great definition. Okay. Integrity, choosing courage over comfort. It's choosing what's right over what's fun, fast, or easy. And it's practicing your values, not just professing them. Practicing your values, not just professing them. That's big. Yes. And it's choosing what's right over fast, fun, or easy. That's that's kicker for me. Mm-hmm. That is kicker. Like we are moving at a, such a fast pace. We're on tough deadlines and under big projects. And there right. are times I am choosing what is fast and easy. Mm-hmm. Maybe over what's the right thing the right to do. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the next one. All right. Non-judgment. <laughs> oh, I know. we do get I harder. Know. I know. Okay. So non-judgment, I can ask for what I need, and you can ask for what you need. And we can talk about those things without judgment. Now, you can ask for what you need. We did a, um, a couple episodes on relationships with Dr. Vicki Dalton, who's um, was my old therapist, quite frankly. And one of the things that she talked a lot about that women really struggle with, and it's a key to great relationships, whether we're talking about dating, marriage, or friendships, is to be able to ask for what you need. And she said most of her high-achieving clients and even some of the younger girls that she was working with, that was a key area that she spent a lot of time teaching people on how to do that. And I started thinking about where did where did we go wrong in that in, in wanting to model something different for my daughter. But I think that one's big, asking for what you need. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that's interesting if you think about it is those of us who have trouble asking for what we need are also the ones who sometimes get annoyed when others do it. Okay? Mm. So I have a good friend who I love dearly. Um, 
And one of the things I've always admired about her, but at the same time, it's sometimes been hard for me to like accept is she's pretty good at asking for what she needs. Like I remember the first time, you know, we were kind of like talking about what we did over the weekend. She's like, I read two books. I mean, on Saturday, I honestly like, I didn't get out of bed for like four hours because I just had to finish this book. And I was thinking no one would ever let me do that. Like first of all, and I was married at the time. I thought, I can't imagine what would happen if I said, hey, <laughs> I'm going to lay in bed all day today and read this book. Like, first of all, who did I think, who who am I to mm. get to ask to you lay in bed and read You wouldn't even give yourself permission to do it. Yeah. yeah, let alone, like, who does that? And so I've realized that, number one, in order for me to even get to a place of feeling comfortable for what, uh, for asking what I need, I've got to also realize that, that other people are going to do it and give them the freedom to do it too. Like yeah. I'm just not very good on either one. That's interesting. That's interesting. Did you talk about that with her? I have. I have. And you know what's funny? She's like, like it's not a big deal. Like, yeah, I'm a crazy person if I don't have time by myself. Yes, my husband 100% can handle a Saturday afternoon every once in a while. Like I deserve that. I've been waiting for that book to come out or – you know, I was teaching all yeah. week, a really intense class. And, you know, my health and my mental stability relies on me having some down and alone time, mm -hmm. you know, and what's been great. And this is how I know I'm in a better place, like I'm growing, <laughs> is that, you know who I have a lot of conversations with about what I need? Who? My kids. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's where I started. My too. kids, yeah. just in the same way, we talk about this stuff. We talk about as leaders, you have to be able to model this. I'm having these conversations with my kids, and I'm saying things like, "You know what? Mom really needs an hour to to just rest a little bit. I want to have a little bit of time to listen to one of these podcasts, or you know what? I need a little bit of time in my room to pray." And you know, I, even the other day, I said, "You know what?" Mom used to love to paint. I'm going to ask that you guys play in the backyard while I'm in the garage because I just want 30 minutes to paint. And what was so funny, my son said, since when do you paint? And I was like, since before you were born. Okay? I know you and haven't seen happen it. Since. Oh, that's a That's the point, buddy. You know? That's a perfect example yeah. of I'm trying to be all of who I've always been and introduce yes. this back in. And it had been eight years right, right. because he just turned yeah. eight. Yeah, that's the point, dude. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, so I also, one of the reasons that I haven't felt so bad in asking for them sometimes is because, you know, number one, I watched a single mom who still does today work really, really hard and not ask for much. And I'd pretty sure she'd tell you today that's not the healthiest, yeah. best way to go yeah. um, because it didn't model for me. Like I'm I'm having to do this work now so that hopefully my kids, you know, they're my friend who's like, yeah, that's a no brainer. I can ask for that. Yeah, I deserve that. Yeah, I'm worth four hours on a Saturday, you know, of whatever that looks like. I talked about that on another episode about self-care. One of the things that really drove home self-care for me was I wanted to model it for my daughter. And to have that level of accountability to ask for that and to just make it a part of how we lived, not something that was special or that I was going to feel guilty about, yes. was big. And it, yes. it served her really yeah. well. She's good at boundaries, I yes. think, partly because of that. Yes. And something I'd like to point out, and I do totally want to give kudos. You know, I joke with you all the time that, like, I'm raising two kids with my mother. Like, 
It's crazy, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that at some point. But that could be its own series. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, and it's been a juggle, right? Like, I'm co-parenting with my mom. It's interesting. And there was a huge shift that happened for us a few months back. And to be honest, I'm going to have to talk to her about this because I haven't. But she started saying something to me when she would leave. So a lot of times we're passing, right? Like, she's coming in my house, and I'm hitting the road to travel out of town right. for work. And so... You know, occasionally we have those times where she'll drop them off maybe after school or something like that. Or maybe she'll pick them up and take them out for ice cream so I can work, you know, for an hour or something like that. And she started doing this thing where before she would leave, she'd say, is there anything you need from me? And I don't think that ever once I've said yes. Now, in my mind, sometimes I've been like, oh, uh, yeah, can I have it? You know, like something, <laughs> Sit all down, kinds of list. things, right? You got a big bottle of wine in your bag or yeah, two week vacation, yeah. somewhere, you know, all kinds of things. But every time I've just thought, no, but thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. And so just as much as we have to become braver about, you know, non-judgment of others when they ask, but braver around asking for what we need, also work on helping other people become braver by asking. It is, you know, I just had this uh, happen today, as a matter of fact. Uh, Kate Porter is a an amazing young woman who's interning with with me in the Badass Women's Council brand and doing great stuff with video production and, and marketing and social media. Shout out, Kate. She's amazing. And, you know, she's a junior in college, and she's learning and growing as a high-achieving female in training. And I... You know, I've just taken on her role as an intern. And I said to her one day, there's going to come a week I'm going to forget to pay you. (laughs) And you're going to have to tell me. And she said, oh, no. And I said, oh, yeah, because I'm going to forget. I'm just going to tell you right now, this is a new behavior. And it's, you know, I, I don't have this set up as a part of the, you know, accounting system. This is just me remembering to do it. So today she texted me and she was like, her text, I think, said, I hate this, but you told me to do it. I don't think I got paid last week. And so I immediately texted her back and said, yay, you. Oh, right? I love that. Because she courageously, and I know it killed her. Yeah. And she probably thought about it for three days before yeah. she finally did it. And sure enough, I forgot to pay yeah. her. And I said, I'm so proud of you. And she said, you hold me accountable in a good way. Wow. And I thought, you know, that's these are the things that we need to teach each other. Yes. Yes. Because we both got a lot out of that. Yeah. And let's go ahead and do everybody a solid because somebody's going to do this and they're going to reach out and they're asked for what they're going to ask for what they need and nobody's going to go yay i'm so proud of you i so did say yay when this happens yay yourself oh, you know when you yes. when you find yourself and you ask even if you don't get it right like be proud of yourself that you ask because the more you do it the more comfortable you'll get doing it and then the more people will realize and you'll realize that you deserve it so just start start and yay yourself Absolutely. And if you need a group yay, reach out, message us. We'll help. We'll yay you. We'll cheer all day long. We will. Yes. We absolutely will. Okay, we got one more. Okay, let's do it. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay, so generosity. So extending the most generous interpretation to the intentions, words, and actions of others. I love generosity. We're hardwired for it, right? That's a part of belonging, which is why Brene's talking about it. And it's I believe that generosity's biggest challenge is that we as a society are buried under busy. 
I don't think oftentimes it's because we don't want to be generous or we don't think of things in the way that we can give of our time and our energy and our connection and our trust and our boundaries, all of those things. I think it's because we are too busy and we're just buried under this frenetic pace and so so much of our goodness gets lost. Yes, yes. And, you know, this this was a tough one for me because one of the things she talks about in this principle is the idea that people are doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. And she asked us all in the room, you know, raise your hand if you think that every single person in this world is doing the best they can. And I had one person in particular, let me tell you, that came to mind where I thought there's no way in the world that's his best. There's no way. And we got pretty deep into this conversation around generosity and I'll leave you with this thought, is that sometimes we can live a happier life just choosing to believe that. Absolutely. It doesn't mean it's right, um, but it but it's saying, okay, yeah, I am going to operate that way. Mm-hmm. I am going to choose to believe you're doing your best because it allows you to show up in a much better way. And in all honesty, it's a lot more of a free way to live, yeah, um, that's worth giving a chance. And I know we're going to talk about empathy at some point on another episode. It's how I evoke empathy when I'm really frustrated. So when I have a relationship or a situation where I think, oh my gosh, can that really be their best? I remind myself that there's some pain, there's something in their lives that are creating that situation where that really is their best today. And I've often said, you know, and many people have said this, hurt people tend to hurt others. Mm -hmm. So when I feel hurt by by someone's actions, I can evoke empathy by reminding myself that there's some hurt there that's causing that in them. And that really is the best they've got that day. Yes. Yes. And you know what? The other part is there are some days I need to be, I need people to believe I'm doing the best I can because I have failed in some hard ways and I've made some big mistakes and I've definitely not ever been consistent as showing up and as my best self in every situation to every person. So there's some days I need people to believe that I'm doing my best too. I love that. That's a great way to end talking about connection. Yeah. We can give each other grace in that way. For sure. And I'm excited. Hopefully people will tell us, like, what was it like? What did they try? What were some of the braving yes. things they did? How did it work? Yes. Send us some messages. Give us some some feedback. We'll have uh, Instagram's a great way to do that. There's always posts about the various episodes. So comment in, in the post uh, about this episode about how it's going for you. And we'll keep this conversation going, right? You're going to come back and we'll talk about some of the other things you learned. Sounds like a plan. Awesome. I'm not coming down. I hope you've been inspired to grab a copy of Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, if you haven't read it already. And I'm not going to bother with reflection questions because Alyssa has done an amazing job at sprinkling those throughout the episode. This may be one that you want to go back and listen to it again and take some notes. Thanks so much for being here as always. And if you haven't subscribed yet, this would be a good time to do so because Alyssa is going to come back and just keep sharing from her experiences with Brene and from the book. Thanks so much. Make it a great day. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. 
I'm not coming down.